everything was fake. The temperature record was fake. The sea levels were fake. Not my words, those are the words of Tony Heller, a man who describes himself as a lifelong environmentalist. In fact, for the last 40 years, he's used his bicycle exclusively for local transportation. However, while working in the Silicon Valley as an electrical engineer, and by the way, before that, he was a working geologist, he decided he would take a look at the climate record for himself to get up to speed on this global warming climate change debate. And when he looked at the record, he came away shocked because in his words, everything was fake. That led him to create the website realclimatescience.com and the spicy and informative Twitter feed at Tony Climate. I think you're going to find this interview wonderfully informative and quite frankly, delightfully entertaining. Here's my interview with Tony Heller. Okay, I, uh, I I love the informality of this podcast. I think it's going to make for a very enjoyable discussion. Give us your background, Tony. Tell us your background and how you got into this global warming slash climate change debate. Yeah, well, I, I I was born and raised in Los Alamos, New Mexico. My my father was a nuclear physicist, um, so I, I've been in the scientific community my whole life um in fact when i went to college it was very strange for me um meeting people whose parents didn't have phds i i had no idea that such people even exist <laughs> <laughs> people tell me what their parents did for a living i was like what <laughs> but anyway um yes yeah, so, so I got, um, I went to Arizona State, got a degree in geology, worked for a few years as a geologist, doing some, a lot of very different kinds, very interesting research, um, including um, oil shale, nuclear waste disposal, um, geothermal energy, volcano research, um, quite, quite a few different, um, coal gasification, quite a few different interesting things but then when um reagan became president um you know jimmy carter had this big focus on developing u.s energy resources because um because of the arab oil embargo you know under in you know 50 years ago this week the front page of the new the lead story in the new york times was um people lined up to get gas for yes. an hour we had literally we, had the gas shortages. Yeah. And what, what was the deal then? You 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 could buy on certain days of the week, you could yeah. purchase gas. Yeah, they like based on your license plate. Right. But even but there was just there wasn't enough gas around. Yeah, yeah, so you're right. We had the gas shortages back then. And I think that would astound people today if those right. same things took place, you know, in the year 2024. Right. Yeah, people take everything for granted now the stability of the of the energy supply so so then the u.s became very dependent on foreign oil once again and and all and then so being a geologist in the united states was just no longer any good because we were buying all of our oil from from overseas cheap so geology was no longer a good profession to be in so then um 
I decided to go back to school. So I went to Rice University, got a master's degree in electrical engineering, um, spent quite a few years in the computer industry. But I always really liked, I mean, engineering is really interesting, but I always wanted to be involved in science too. So I kind of um, kept my fingers in the climate stuff. I was actually introduced to the global warming stuff by my boss at Los Alamos in 1979 wow that was very early on yeah, yeah. and um i was a true believer um and, and a lot of things going on like the 90, 1990s are very warm um and it, the whole thing seemed very credible i think probably the biggest event that changed my mind was i was working in in the bay area in um early 2016 and 2016 was was a very interesting no two, i'm not 2016 2006 sorry it was very strip warmest january on record in the united states i think um in northern colorado and fort collins colorado they weren't having any winter weather at all i was going on shirt sleeves in fort collins in january uh went out to then we went out to california spent a few months living out there and we left, I got a job back in Fort Collins in July. We left um, the Bay Area. We were living in Cupertino. We left the Bay Area. It was incredibly hot. The The pool, our pool, swimming pool in Cupertino at the apartment got hot all the way down to, to the bottom of the pool. Driving through Sacramento was like 117 degrees going through Sacramento that day. We got back to Fort Collins. It was extremely hot. And I was thinking, oh, it's the end of the world because global warming is getting really bad. But then something strange happened. The weather changed in September and it got very cold and wet. And I was coaching kids soccer again and it was it was really cold and wet. And then, and then Fort Collins had their largest snowstorm on record Christmas week that year. And so I realized, well, this is not a linear trend. There's something else going on here. So I started looking into it and started looking into the um, temperature record and, and realized that the whole thing was a scam, that, that the whole the U.S. temperature record was being mishandled so badly. It was just propaganda. Instead, it wasn't actually, there wasn't actually a warming trend in the United States. What was going on is they were creating a fake warming trend by tampering with the data. And that's when I started get, really getting you know, deep into this. And so I realized that everything about the story was fake. It wasn't wow. just the temperature data, wow. the sea level data, um, glacier data. Every, every, the whole story was fabricated. And um realized I was under something very interesting. It gave me a way to, I was working as an engineer designing microprocessors for Intel at the time. Which was all right, but I've been doing that for a long time. It was starting <laughs> to get kind of boring, but by doing the climate stuff, I was able to keep my myself doing science, which is what I was really interested in. And so I've been pretty busy with that the last. So this was season. your big awakening moment. Was two thousand six? Yeah. Wow. No, it was two two. Yeah, two thousand six was when I I really started wondering what the heck is going on here. Yeah. And so I really, I think that part is fascinating and very credible because you were honestly looking at the data that you assumed to be spot on uh -huh. and you started seeing these glaring holes yeah. and, and, uh, and, and, and cr creative, uh, 
creative deception taking place before your very eyes. Yeah, you know, I was working in in developing microprocessors where everything has to be perfect. Right, if you've got billions of transistors in there. If they're not all essentially all perfect, or if they're not, there isn't some workaround for you know some sort of known flaw, then the thing's not going to work, and the company's going to lose billions of dollars, and it's going to be a huge problem. So everything has to be perfect. And then I switch over to this climate world, you know, with NASA and NOAA's temperature data, and it's complete garbage. <laughs> I mean, it's not that it's a little bit bad; it's right. that the whole thing is completely fraudulent. That they're using totally unacceptable techniques of manipulating data, hiding data, rewriting data, straight out of Orwell's 1984. And it was the exact opposite of this very precise engineering world, which I was spending the rest of my time. You know, that's fascinating. Your story reminds me of Dr. John Clauser. And I've been reading a lot about him of late. And and in my upcoming book, I'm I'm writing a lot about him. And, And he sort of had the same epiphany when he looked at the climate models yeah, and what, what wasn't inputted into the models and, yeah. and how they were estimating for what they couldn't accurately input, for example, cloud cover yeah, <laughs> or, or, or water vapor. Right. Right. And, and that's when he realized this whole thing, you know, he calls it pseudoscience. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at, you know, there was this like sort of sudden rise in sea surface temperatures in the North Atlantic, you know, last year. Right. And they tried blaming it on carbon dioxide, which is completely insane because the the spectral bands of carbon dioxide, you know, the radiation in the spectral bands doesn't even penetrate the surface of the water. You can't possibly explain a rapid rise in sea surface temperatures from carbon dioxide because it, it there's no physical mechanism for it to occur. But on the other hand, cloud cover is a very simple explanation. If there's less cloud cover and you're getting more sunshine, then yes, you're going to see a rapid increase in temperatures, just like our swimming pool in Cupertino in 2006, mm-hmm. um, because you know it was very sunny and they didn't have the usual fog and cloud cover, so the pool heated up. It's not. It's it's an under. It's a relationship which everybody understands. When California has a cold, we we spend like the summer of 19. 98 in, in, during the El Nino in California, north in the Bay Area, it was very cold. The water it was cloudy all the time. The water never warmed up, you know, in Monterey and Santa Cruz. It stayed cold all summer because it was foggy all the time. But if you get sunny weather there, then the water warms up. Everybody understands this, that the temperature of the water is controlled by sunshine. But for some reason, when some government scientists make idiotic claims that warming sea surface temperatures in, in the North Atlantic are due to carbon dioxide, people believe it, even though it obviously it doesn't make any scientific sense at all. Tony, isn't it amazing how carbon dioxide has been sold as a pollutant to the public at large? Yeah, it's yeah. Carbon dioxide is the opposite of a pollutant. It's right. the, the basis of all life. Do you think this is a question of the fact that we have such a poor education system that people are able to buy in so easily to this whole argument? Well, absolutely. And I think that the poor education system is by design. Um, you know, Al Gore's science fiction movie has been shown to just about every school <laughs> kid on the planet. And it's complete garbage. 
Um, I, I found a transcript the other day of things Al Gore said, all of those predictions. Every single one of them was complete nonsense. You know, right, right. Arctic sea ice would be gone by sure. 2014. The um, Glacier National Park would be ice-free in 15 years. You know, since then, glaciers have grown in Glacier National Park. It was just complete nonsense. And, and this was force-fed down every school kid in the world, just about every school kid in the yeah. world. Yeah. Throw. And it's complete garbage. Every, every, you know, when you trace back, everything changed when, when Gore became vice president in January of 1993. You know, the funding got cut off to scientists who who, did, who didn't accept his scam. True. And that's when the, the medieval warm period got erased. Shortly after that, the right. Little Ice Age got erased. And, and that's when shortly after that the u.s temperature records started getting tampered with every the whole side the whole academic thing went to hell in a handbasket and i think it traces back to al gore's vice presidencies when things got bad you're you're a member of the co2 coalition correct yeah yeah i was speaking with um i was speaking with neil frank uh in my last podcast and he was we were we were having a similar discussion and he was talking about government funding yeah. and people who work for the government, people who are in research think tanks that, that get government money. And he said, this is why most members of the CO2 coalition, coalition, not all, but most are on the older side and they no longer work. He said they have they have nothing to risk by finally being able to come out and right. call this fraud for what it is. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Um, uh, my brain, Bill Gray. Oh yeah, um, he yeah, lost. Bill, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Bill Gray, go ahead with the story. Yeah, yes. Bill Gray was a really good friend of mine. Yeah, he passed away in 2016. Um, he lived in Fort Collins. You know, and I was living in Fort Collins at the time, and um, he um, so he had this incredible story about how he'd gotten funding from NOAA for his hurricane research. You know, he was the found. He was considered the world's leading tropical meteorologist. They, sure the inventor of modern hurricane forecasting. And he got money every year from NOAA for decades um, for, for his hurricane research. And then he got a call from Al Gore in January of 1993, right after Gore took office, said, inviting him, Gore invited him to a, to, her, to a global warming conference he was having in Washington. Bill was a really nice, very animated, amazing guy. Then he, he said, well, I'm happy to attend your conference, but you should know that I'm not a big fan of your global warming theories. <laughs> he got blackballed, never got another penny. It's out true. Of the yeah. They cut him off. They literally yeah. cut him off. Yeah. Yeah. So and he's, he, so he spent he, the next three decades, the next few decades self-funding his, his students like Phil Klotzbach. Yeah. Um, he, he, he funded the, the research himself because government money was and he got some money from insurance companies yeah. for a while too so wow uh yeah. as long as we're talking about al gore and his uh his just bombastic rhetoric i'd love to get your take on these terms that are now thrown about so recklessly uh bomb cyclone or even atmospheric river it's as if these things have never occurred before these are the products of climate change but uh, your take, for example, first on the atmospheric river, which, you know, every every scary weather forecast now when there's a storm in California, they're talking about the atmospheric river. 
Yeah, I, I plotted up the Palmer Drought Severity Index for California yesterday. Looks like there's a wet period about once every six years. You know, they had a, they had a very big one in 2011, 2017, um, 2023, another one this year. It looks yeah, and I like, saw that on your website, by the way. It was really yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, you know the the biggest the big one was in 1862 and San Francisco got 30 inches of rain in January 1862 Sacramento was flooded you know 10 feet deep in water they had they had to move the state capital to San Francisco because Sacramento was underwater for 6 months the state went bankrupt and then later that year later in 1862 California went into a terrible drought for three or four years. They had one of their worst droughts on record, beginning the same year which they had this horrible flood. And you look, there was good publication, which I cite a lot from the Southern California Historical Society about the history of droughts and floods. And it's incredible, it's just with it's constantly switching back and forth. Right. Terrible droughts and terrible floods. One of my one of the more interesting stories was 1859 in California. That was the year of the um of the the Carrington event, the largest solar storm on record, occurred in the summer of 1859. Um, prior to that, on June 17th, 1859, they had seen some incredible downslope winds in Santa Barbara. The temperature got up to 133 degrees Fahrenheit wow. for several hours. Wow. Animals were dying. Animals were dropping dead. There was a, a sailor who was out at sea. His arms got completely blistered from the heat. Everybody was hiding in their homes. It just lasted for a few hours, like four or five hours. Then the temperature dropped back down to normal once the winds went away. And, and that whole, all of Southern California was having terrible heat waves and fires at that time. Oh, hi burned up i think that's they i think they rebuilt ohio after that and it became the nice little tourist town that it is now as a result of that 1859 wow. um fire but they had terrible they had terrible heat wave and fires in southern california that summer then in october of 1859 it got up to 110 degrees in los angeles in october it was pretty remarkable and then in December, they had this incredible flood in Southern California, 10 inches of rain in a few days, and it wiped out the um, the cattle industry in Southern California. All the, all the cattle died. And prior to that, cattle was a big industry. It got completely wrecked by that flood. So they went, they were going between heat waves and fires and floods. Um, and it seems to have been associated with, with that solar storm. Karl Marx said it best. History means nothing. Yeah. You you have to erase the historical record if you want to progress. Right. And that's exactly what they're doing. And then they come up with this new terminology, like I was I was talking about with the the atmospheric river, which is just a it's a stationary cold front. Yeah. <laughs> or or the 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 rain bomb that Al Gore refers to, which I think is bombogenesis. I'm guessing that's what he's referring to, which is just a big drop in barometric pressure. Yeah. Happen it's it's always happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just ordinary events like Leo DiCaprio 
saying that Chinook winds and in Alberta were the results of global warming. I, I, I lived in the front range of Colorado. I remember one morning, it was around, I think it was around 1996. I think it was like January 1996. Woke up, it was 20 below zero in Boulder. And by that afternoon, it was 60 degrees. It warmed up like 80 degrees. Um, and all the snow melted. Yeah, because of the Chinook winds. You're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It happens all the time there. You, can, can we talk about your website? Because I, I just want you to describe, I'll, I'll show a screen share uh, to our audience of your website, but the, the banner of your website. Could you tell us what that's all about? Well, the... Um, um, well, in the story of the Wizard of Oz, um, you had this this wizard going around telling everyone how brilliant and powerful he was, and the person who the first who ultimately exposed him was Toto, the little dog. He went and ran over there, pulled back the curtain, and showed that the Wizard of Oz is just this guy with some electro electrical equipment, <laughs> um, scary and everything. <laughs> so that so Toto, so that's the story as my website that I, I've got a little dog. I have a little dog who looks kind of like Toto. <laughs> so I named so for for this his name isn't actually Toto, but for the sake of the website, I named him Toto. And and he's the guy pulling back the curtain on this exactly. massive climate scare. <laughs> your so the the your website banner that was an inspiration to me in this upcoming book of mine, Climate Cult, because I have a chapter on renewables. Yeah. And in the world of book publishing, you can't quote lyrics unless you have a, a, a authority to do that from the owner of the copyright, but you can quote titles of songs. Yeah. So the title of my renewables chapter, and I, this was inspiration from your website, is Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Okay. Because I look at all these, these dreams and this fascination with renewable energy, and without the sub subsidies, these costs would be absolutely out of reach for consumers. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, how much does wind power cost when the wind's not blowing? <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's the price, you know, going up with a supply demand curve goes up to infinity, right? You can't buy it when the wind's not blowing. So if if net zero, if if these people running the show ever really do decide to go with net zero and just abandon fossil fuels altogether, the only way something like that could work is to employ nuclear power. But the problem is so many of these climate activists hate nuclear power. Right? And even our idiot governor here in Wyoming, Governor Gordon, he, he went to Harvard a few weeks ago and said he wants to make Wyoming carbon negative. You know, we're the we're the number one coal producing state in the country. We um, and and the oil shale reserves in western Colorado and western Wyoming are like the largest oil reserves in the world. And he wants to make a carbon he, negative instead of taking advantage of our our natural resources. He he goes to Harvard Harvard and talks about making the state oh carbon negative. He probably it's, looks like he wants a role. He wants to be in national politics or something. Probably as a probably as a Democrat would be. <laughs> it's it's what a cloud. It's laughable. I mean, yeah. but they're doing these same shenanigans in in California. So California, they because even though California is a very rich state when it comes to oil reserves, natural gas, there are only three remaining natural gas generation stations in California. Yeah. Um, and yet they need that natural gas to supply baseload for the grid. So what are they doing? 
they're buying it from other states and yeah. and they're claiming and they're going to get rid of those three uh those three generation stations they yeah. have they want to get rid of them because they also want to be you know completely carbon neutral but in the meantime they'll pay extremely high prices to import from the other states so you know Governor New Gavin uh, Gavin Newsom is on the same page with your governor. These guys are all playing from the same playbook. Yeah, you know they they, they had that beautiful big coal fire power plant up by Castroville um, when we oh, lived in Moss in Landing. Bay. Yeah, yeah. We, when we lived in the Bay Area, we used yeah, to it, drive yeah. past it every time right. we went over there to to the beach. Yeah, and um, they shut it down and replaced. They put up like one of Elon Musk's big you know, uh, battery farms, which, which, which fly like fifth, would fly like 15 minutes worth of electricity. Right. <laughs> and a couple of years ago, it caught on fire. It, it caught on fire. It was spewing toxic fumes. Everybody in, in the community there had, it was forced to stay inside for a couple of days because they, they wanted to, they got rid of this nice, clean coal-fired power plant and replaced with this incredibly toxic lithium battery. Yeah. Yeah, but I my my favorite thing is them talking about making passenger aircraft which run off lithium batteries. So you're gonna be like thirty thousand feet over the ocean, and these 20, 50 tons of lithium batteries waiting to explode. <laughs> it's like what what do you, you don't need terrorists anymore. You, you got green energy to to do the job. Okay, they are talking about these commercial jets that would be battery operated. Could you imagine how heavy these yeah. aircraft would be? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and regular uh, jet fuel powered aircraft, when it's going across the ocean, its weight goes down as it, as it travels because yes. it's burning jet fuel, which makes it, gives them a longer range. Yeah. It's all calculated. Um, yes. Yeah. Cause their weight drops tremendously as, as but with a battery powered plane, you're not going to have that. It's going to keep the same horrific weight, the whole flight. So you're not probably not going to make it across the ocean. In your battery. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll probably catch on fire anyways. I'm sorry. This shouldn't be, this shouldn't be funny, but it's right out of like a bizarro cartoon or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you know, you know what the best bizarro cartoon I've seen recently though was? Did you see Elon Musk's eight-minute video on climate the other day? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, it was astonishing how he got every single thing he said wrong. You know, he went on very quickly, one point talking point after another for eight minutes. Every single thing he said was complete nonsense. And, you know, it, it was at the, to the point where it was so ridiculous. I'm just wondering <laughs> if he wasn't doing this just as just it might have just been a comedy project for him. And it gives him cover because he a lot of times I see like climate scam trending on Twitter. Right. It's never would have. So maybe it's a way of giving himself cover so that he can get accurate information out there. And at the same time, making a video, which was so ridiculous that that only that very few people would actually take it seriously. I, I wondered, I mean, I was watching it first and I thought, am I missing something here? Because he has to know that the things that he that he's saying are not true. Yeah. I was wondering if there was some kind of subversive thought behind it myself because yeah. it was just so bizarre. Yeah, he's under a lot of pressure <laughs> to to make it, you know, to, to shut down the climate scenarios. Maybe it's a way for him to just give himself cover. 
it because really it, could be so utterly ridiculous from start to finish <laughs> uh, and talking about saying you wanted to have so we could solve global warming with a carbon tax yeah which is absolutely the most regressive yeah tax imaginable because it hits the poor poor people the hardest oh yeah 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 it absolutely would their homes and strive to work you know rich people can afford a carbon tax which but poor people can't it's it's crazy Tony, what do you think is driving the agenda? What is what is causing them just to keep going forward despite the fact that they clearly don't have the facts on their on their side? That doesn't seem to bother them at all. What's driving this uh, expansive, invasive agenda? Well, I, I think Henry Kissinger is quoted to have said that whoever controls energy controls the world. And they're not only trying to control the energy supply, but they're also trying to control the food supply. Um, so they've got kind of a double thing going. You know, if they can, if they can maintain control of our energy supply, then they're going to control Western countries. You know, everything in our lives, our enter, our heat, our light, our food, our communications, our transportation, everything is based on fossil fuels. If they shut it down, our lives are going to, our, our economy, our civilization, our lives are going to collapse almost immediately. Yeah. What are they talking about? You it know, and it's interesting, that. Tony, in this is, of course, a discussion that permeates the developed world, but I have uh, quite a few friends who live in Africa, and I'm in touch with my friends, specifically in Nigeria, all the time. And I've asked them before uh, if there's any talk of global warming or climate change in where they live, they're just they're just trying to get enough fossil fuels to survive. Right. There's no talk about wind and solar and and going green or net zero. In fact, they'd never even heard of net zero. They're they're trying to live on a day to day basis. So this is really something that seems to be aimed at the developed world, and it's it's suicide. Yeah, and and you know the the left has had you know this crazy agenda. Um, for for a very long time, actually, and hurt hurt Africa as well. If you go back to 1960, 1969, Paul Ehrlich from Stanford was talking about poisoning, you know, putting um, sterility drugs in the food and water supply shipped to Africa True. to keep people from reproducing. True. And then they had Rachel Carson, who shut down DDT, which was which was used to control malaria in Africa. Right. These so saw us in the 1960s and 1970s, these sort of repeated attacks on on things which it, you know, on, on the African population. And once again, we're, we're seeing that same thing again with the fossil fuels. We're trying to deny the developing world the same fossil fuels which we depend on for our survival. Wow. Tony, this has been a, a really fun and freewheeling discussion. I'm going to allow you to have the last word here, and I've certainly enjoyed it. And I think our our listeners and viewers are going to enjoy it immensely as well. But you get the last word. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm, I've been doing software development for a long time, and um, I'm doing some data science stuff right now, and I've been testing it out on climate stuff. So I have tremendous capabilities right now to... Um, look at what's been done to the global temperature record, which I wasn't really able to do very efficiently previously. 
And I'm just starting to get into that now. And it's just absolutely atrocious, the things going on there. With the U.S. And what they're doing to the U.S. temperature record is horrible. But the abuse of the global temperature record is equally as bad. So, so look for, you can look forward to a lot of that information for me coming out in the near future. I'm just going to be hammering this completely fraudulent global temperature record, which is, and the completely fraudulent U.S. temperature record, which forms the basis of climate science. Right. You take away, you take away NASA's fake global temperature graph. You don't have a hockey stick anymore, and and all of the countless papers which have been written academic papers in climate science which were based on an assumption that these temperature graphs from nasa were correct people are making correlations to fake data so you've got an entire field of science which is based on fake data and it's just it, it's one it's got to be one of the most bizarre moments in science i mean piltdown man was bad but you know, Michael Mann is vastly worse in, in his whole his whole field of science. And, and someday historians will look back on it and, and think that we're our generation is complete idiots. Yeah. And it's it hopefully they'll remember some of the good people who, who are fighting against it, but that doesn't tend to be the way history works. <laughs> Right. Probably, it's probably just getting a broad brush um say boy these people were completely out of their minds and well keep doing what you're years. doing i'm telling you i i enjoy your website i enjoy your twitter feed and i know there are thousands and thousands of others who do as well so just stay in the battle man keep swinging yeah it's great it's great fun for me and like i said it keeps me in the science business and it's actually really helping my software development now because it gives me specific targets which I can test the software out on. Um, and gives me ideas about what I need to do next. So it's, it's all it's all it's all good for me at this point.